again and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. My name is Ryan and this is the show where I talk to developers, programmers, and coders of all types who are in business for themselves and I try to figure out how they got to where they are. So if you're a developer who wants to get into business or if you're maybe already in business and you want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode nine with Jeff Cross. My guest today is Jeff Cross. Jeff is the CEO of Narwhal, where he works with the world's best companies to develop highly collaborative software engineering organizations. Prior to Narwhal, Jeff was one of the early members of the Angular team at Google and tech lead of the Angular mobile team. And side note for everyone listening, this episode of the podcast is the very first one that I've done in person. So Jeff and I were both at NGConf in Salt Lake City recently, and we decided to sit down there to do the interview. And one thing you'll definitely notice is that the sound is a little bit different. We were outside in the terrace area of the hotel, so you're going to hear a lot of background noise and unfortunately a lot of wind noise at times too. The audio quality for this one isn't spot on, but just bear with it. It's a great conversation that I had with Jeff, and I do hope you enjoy. All right, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we're on location here in beautiful yes. Salt Lake City, Utah. It's, NGConf uh, it's a very, 2019. Very sunny day for NGConf 2019, and we're out in the, the terrace in the middle of the Grand America Hotel. Um, so. I was really interested uh, in talking to you about enterprise sales yes. and how you're doing that at Narwhal. But I'm wondering if maybe first we could talk about your maybe journey going from Google. Yeah. For those who don't know, you spent a lot of time at Google and now you've got a company called Narwhal. Maybe take us through the journey of going from Google to Narwhal. Sure. Yeah, Google, uh, it was a lot of fun working at Google and it was a dream job. and. I still, it, even like the longer I've been away from Google, the harder it is to believe I ever got into Google and okay. uh, worked there. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. And that's actually a lot of people ask me like, why would you leave Google and do that? And it's, it was really hard. It, not even for me to, to think about leaving, but to convince my family and my, my spouse that it was a good idea. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was on the Angular team, you know, with, it was 2016, Angular 2 was coming out. And, and I was just kind of at a point, I'd been on the team for about four years. And I liked it, uh, but you know, I had this entrepreneurial itch that was coming back. That so I, I was seeing friends like I had friends at a company called Strongloop who were doing Node support and okay. products and and uh, enterprise things. And I hung out with them, and they were telling about their business model and kind of how it works. And I was kind of like, you know, there's no reason why the same kind of business focused just on Angular yeah. uh, wouldn't work. And uh, the more I looked at it, the more I said, you know, like uh, there's an opportunity here. I, I was getting that itch to, to get out and try something else. You know, I'd done a, couple, a few companies before Google. And uh, so that in combination, I was kind of getting tired of the Bay Area. We were looking to move back to Arizona. Is that where you're from? You grew up in Arizona? I, I didn't grow up there, but I, I, I became an adult in Arizona. Okay. I, I moved there when I was 19, uh, followed my sister out there uh, after she moved out for an adventure. and. Uh, so uh, yeah, I wanted to get back there, you know, get have some more space, be closer to family, that kind of thing. So right. So yeah. So I made a PowerPoint, or not a PowerPoint, like a Google Slides presentation, and convinced my wife that uh, <laughs> okay. that uh, you know kind of showed her how things would play out if I did yeah. it, convinced her that the timing was right and that kind of thing. What was so? What were the objections that may have been there from your wife? Uh, well, it's 
a dream job. Everyone tries to get into Google. Uh, it was, I mean, it, it had great benefits. I had I worked with a great team, had lots of great friends. Uh, you know, I had invested a lot in this project I was on, uh, the Angular project. And uh, yeah, it's just like this, the pinnacle of career for people. Like, right. why would you leave that behind? And it's like, you know, it is great. And some people, this is their ultimate, but you know, I really, I'm really entrepreneurial and really like doing companies. I like running companies, yep. starting companies and, and, uh, being creative, starting new models, exploring things, that kind of thing, which you get to do some of at Google, but you know, it's an enterprise, it's a corporation, they have they have their own way of doing things right. and, and you kinda have to fit your entrepreneurial spirit within the framework of Google, which, you know, it's, I, I don't fault them for that. It's it's how right. it's how big companies have to operate. Um, but uh, I love the the just like I can do something in the morning and see the effect of the, my actions right away, and mm -hmm. you know soon I can even benefit from those those actions and see the company grow. And uh, so for someone as impatient as me, the gratification of of running a company, and making decisions, and seeing the impact uh, is is really fun. That's cool. Mm -hmm. What uh, you mentioned, you had some companies previous to mm -hmm. to Narwhal. What mm -hmm. uh, what were those? Were they side gigs or were they full time no, endeavors? Um, they were so my when I moved to Arizona I started a web consulting company I was more of a web designer back then so I um, I would design sites design logos things like that and then uh, make them work use like uh, tables to do layouts and things like that I wouldn't consider myself much of a programmer back then and then kind, kind of well, I won't talk about my pro progression as a programmer but uh, uh, so I, I had this design firm for a while so eventually got into more programming uh, then I joined an agency that got boring. Started another company uh, that we built this product. It was an open source project actually called Deployed without okay. the second E. Okay. Uh, so it's basically like an open source Firebase. And we, okay. we created it around the same time as Firebase and, and Parse and a couple others just like it, like backends as a service. Interesting. Um, and it was really great. We built it in Node. Uh, it actually had a pretty good growing community. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, our timing and a few other things were off and we decided not to pursue it. And that's when I uh, joint, or, so I did that for about a year. Gotcha. So I quit my job. Uh, I mean, there was some other actually work. I worked real jobs at a couple companies in between there. Um, but uh, yeah, so after a year, my partner and I decided that uh, we were going to continue investing in gotcha. it. And that's when I went to Google. And uh, then, uh, and then a few years later, Narwhal happened. Narwhal. So, yeah. Narwhal, tell me about uh, the conceptualization of Narwhal mm -hmm. and maybe. One thing I've been curious about is, did you have uh, kind of business lined up but when you left Google? Did mm -hmm. you have things lined up uh, and you were saying, you know, we've got this opportunity because yeah. we have clients ready to go, let's go serve them? Or was it more of like, let's jump ship and then let's yeah. uh, let's figure it out after? So we we were, Victor and I, like Victor had different reasons. Like he was wanting to move back to Toronto and okay. that's his reason for leaving in a nutshell. Um, and so he and I, we worked together. We were good friends on the team. and. Um, and so we both kind of at the same time were planning to leave and decided to do this. And uh, we were we really wanted to do it the right way. And so as soon as as soon as we decided yes we're going to do it, we knew we wanted to tell Brad as soon as we yeah. knew, so that we wouldn't be living a lie, you know, like doing uh, like doing things in secret uh, or things like that. So we told him uh, we had kicked around the idea for maybe a month or so uh, as we were both considering because it's a pretty hard decision to leave yeah. Google. Uh, so as soon as we decided, we told Brad, and we said, you know, we're, we'll leave in a month. I forget how long of notice we gave, but uh, we did that. At that point, we had nothing lined up. Even uh, so, yeah, even up to the point when we left Google, there was nothing lined up. Wow. We hadn't even told anybody. Huh. Uh, some, I think there were some people that 
or some other people on the Angular team had told a couple people, like, like clients about it, and they reached out. But you know, those are just informal conversations that didn't turn into anything. But right. yeah, other than that, we you know we waited until the the day we were day one at Narwhal before we told anybody else and and then we hit it hard you know we yeah. we worked our network we asked everyone we knew like you know do us favors put us in touch with whoever you know and and we want to get something off the ground so yeah it was, it was pretty scary um, yeah so i found it interesting because often you'll hear uh when you're hearing advice about you know if you're working a job and you want to get into business mm -hmm. one of the the biggest pieces of advice that people give is start it on the side yeah let it grow and then you know once you're at a point where you're confident in it then yeah. maybe quit your job uh, which so you took the opposite approach yeah. and uh, I'm curious to know if you felt that because you had a network developed, you know, mm -hmm. because you had the credibility of being on the Angular team, yeah. if that was something that gave you confidence that hey, this yeah. is probably going to be okay. I, I knew I knew it was an edge, and it was I knew it was something that uh, um, it alone wouldn't get, make the business thrive, but it was what it was was an asset to us in that it got people to return our calls and return our emails. Um, so we did a lot of cold emailing, and if we didn't have that. Uh, that uh, resume that you know we actually helped build Angular. Then yep. I'm sure a lot of people would have just dismissed us. But um, right. Uh, but yeah. So it, it the, we certainly had that advantage that people w were interested to at least hear us out and see what yep. we what we thought we could do to, to help their teams. Uh, which uh, yes, which we had no idea what we just wanted to talk to people and see. Okay, what are you up against, and then figure out what we could do for them, yeah. and, yeah. and figure, figure out what kind of model worked for us. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is that something that uh, I don't know. If, I want to say you rely on, but is it it's something that uh, brings in clientele at this point? Is the fact that you used to be on the Angular team? I, I think, you, you know, I think in the past two years we've really built our own brand, yep. uh, and uh, NX is a good example of yes. that. And we knew we needed to do that. We knew we didn't want to rest on our laurels, and, and we knew we couldn't yep. because we naturally we'd be more disconnected from the active development of the framework. It's a very centralized internal project. Like yep. um, they have a few outside folks, but you have to be in the core team to yep. really be contributing to Angular. And so we knew we had to make a name for ourselves. We had to really, uh, like we could rest on that for a while and like ride that wave of having just mm -hmm. been on the Angular team and we, we know what's everything in the framework because we you know, pretty freshly helped build it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we, so we decided to start building tools that would solve problems that uh, our own clients and our own projects could benefit from. And for those who aren't uh, aware of what NX is, maybe mm -hmm. give us a yeah, bit sure. of a description there. Yeah, it's basically it's Angular CLI with our own uh, schematics and builders. It's, so it's like uh, our own um, our own Narwhal stack on okay. based on Angular CLI. So it really is just Angular CLI with our own custom schematics and, and builders that give you things like monorepo style development. Okay. So. Um, it lets you have many apps and many shared libraries between apps in the same repository, which we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole yeah. talking why we think that's a great idea, uh, but it is, and and we've seen stellar adoption. It's uh, like we're really thrilled and kind of disbelieving about how much adoption it's gotten. Even at the conference, just talk, it's, yeah. it feels like half the people I bump into are using NX. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, well, I mean, it certainly seems that way. I. Uh, the clientele that I serve uses it and and mm -hmm. uh, and, and definitely praises it for uh, cool. for all it does. So uh, on behalf of them, we thank oh, you yeah. for your contribution to the community. It's uh, it's a great project. Um, so, you know, I, I I've been very curious about like when you we start to target larger customers, larger mm -hmm. scale um, enterprise customers, for example. What are some of the ways that you think about that in terms yeah. of like? 
because you know a large part of a large part of building clientele is building relationships, right? Whether that's through maybe making something of value, which you've done and yeah. distributed, and people pick up on that and they start to say, hey, you know, if they're offering services that we need, maybe yeah. we reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's part of that, but there's also this sense I think that people have where enterprises are a little bit more faceless yeah. um, quite often. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about how you approach it, what's, uh, what you do to maybe attract business from enterprises sure. and how you go about it. Yeah, so actually I, I told Victor, because uh, I, I sent you a Twitter message when I found your podcast. I was right. like, oh, I want to talk about enterprise sales because no one else wants to talk about it, but it would make it would be good for this podcast. Totally. And it's, it's so interesting, especially as an engineer yeah. kind of looking at it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done sales before, so I had a consulting business for eight years or so. Okay. Um, before this and then uh, the deployed startup, we actually were doing consulting. So I was doing selling uh, to bootstrap that company as well. Uh, But it was all more uh, personal selling. So I'd be selling to smaller businesses, medium businesses, where uh, I would work with one person and they would get the deal done end to end or not. Uh, whereas enterprise, yeah, faceless is a good way to describe it. It's actually many faces. Right, (laughs) right. It's a multiple headed monster. And we found the way in is really through developers. So we, we build content and tools that appeal to developers and we rely on them to get us into their organizations. Uh, if, if we're reaching out to them directly, you know, we always find a developer is the best foot in the door. Even yeah. if they don't have budget, their manager probably has some budget and or knows somebody who does and if they really would like to work with us, then um, then they're the key. If, if we don't have a developer or somebody who's willing to go through the um, the groundwork to, to tell, sell their manager on working with Narwhal, then uh, you know, we, we may as well not bother because right. uh, managers, you know, they're, they're not writing code. Right. Unless they're one of those managers who's really hands-on, still stays like, in, the, in the know and watches everything. They probably have no idea who we are, why we, should, why we would make a difference or anything like that. Right. Uh, whereas a developer is like, yeah, I see the things these people are doing. Uh, it makes sense. We could really benefit from it. Let's bring Narwhal in. So the managers trust these yep. these people. Uh, but, and then those are like two people we have to sell at. Yeah. But that's that's one of the most interesting things because I've never sold to large companies before. Is is that you're not selling to just two people. You're selling or one person or two people. It's you're selling to these people. And you have to convince. Okay, convince the developer. Yeah, you would enjoy having us working yep. alongside you. Um, Go tell your manager the same, and convince that manager that you're going to look good for hiring us. Yeah. Uh, you know your budget's going to be well spent. You're going to accelerate your time to market. You're you're going to level up your developers. All these things, but even once you've done all that and they've got budget allocated for you, you have to go through this gauntlet of procurement yep. uh, that has its own interesting challenges. And and there it's it's really interesting to see how optimized procurement teams at enterprises are at squeezing every last yes. like, bit of value out for the company and uh, taking every bit of your soul away from you. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm joking. It's, I actually really enjoy the process now uh, because it's kind of a fun negotiation gotcha. process. I've had some experiences like you described. Though, yeah. it's, uh, Once yeah. you understand it and you just look at the incentives on their side and what like what the people there are uh, op- are incentivized to do and yep. what what their role is, and you figure out how you can uh, you know give them their pound of flesh and uh, or help them look good. To, yeah. Because they, you know they want to be able to show that they've been able to work out a better deal for the company and mm-hmm. show exactly how through discounts or added values yeah. or things like that. 
uh, once you understand that and you work with them, then the process can go pretty smoothly. Gotcha. Okay. How do you? Um, so I mean, th there's a there's a door in through developers who maybe they've they've used your tools or consumed some of your content because you guys blog quite a bit. So there's there's quite a bit of content out there. Yeah. And that's a model actually. So I used to work for a company called Auth Zero. As, as yeah, you know, Auth Zero. Yeah. You know we use Auth Zero too. You use it in Narwhal. Yeah. Okay. In our cool. in our Narwhal Connect product, we oh, use it for the authentication. Very cool. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but oh, I'll, you should. I'll take a look. Um, and and I was brought on uh, a few. Well, when was it? 2015 uh, to do um, content marketing specifically for mm -hmm. the reason uh, that you described. Is yeah. that you're going to you're not going to get to you know a manager, a decision maker yeah. in a corporation that's going to you know that's going to make a decision right away. But you'll hit some developers yeah. who are going to appreciate what you've done, and you know they'll realize that hey, they've got this problem that this company just happens to solve. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a good way in. Um, I wonder, aside from that, aside from like, you know, um, outbound, I guess, mm -hmm. is there is there any other way that you sort of go after, and here, I guess, here's a question, do you go after specific corporations, specific so, enterprises? So we used to, and I really enjoyed that, like I really enjoyed yeah. picking, uh, and we, we're still really picky, we have, we have a lot of, we're lucky that we have a lot of demand, and yeah. we've always got more demand than we can fulfill, so we get to be selective about the, the teams we work with. Um, but uh, yeah, so early on, you know, we looked, we knew a lot of banks, insurance company, airlines, right. those kinds of business were using Angular. And so we, we did a lot of research, figuring out which ones were using it, uh, looked at our LinkedIn networks, yep. Twitter networks, past email, uh, uh, emails I'd sent or emails I'd received or whatever through GitHub and things like that to see, okay, what kind of connection do I have inside yep. these companies? It was really hard too. Like yeah. if, because it's not just any random developer. You have no idea what developers on a team who could actually benefit from working with you. Is the timing right? Like, do they have budget? Are they going through some kind of transformation that, that would be good to bring us in? Um, it was really difficult. We had some luck, just like people were friendly and, and um, we had some reputation that we could, some, some capital uh, that way that we could uh, leverage. Um, but uh, so, it took a while, but we were able to do it. Now, most everything is inbound. So, yep. we, we, you know, we, we push a lot of great stuff out. We push out great tools, great content. We give talks at conferences. We hang out at the booth. Yep. Uh, and, and people come to us. And, you know, we get, fortunately, a lot of good companies coming to us that we'd like to work with. And, and then we find ways to work together. That's great. Mm -hmm. What is it uh, that you do now that, as you mentioned, the demand is such that you can't actually keep up with it. There's more demand than you, you can serve. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's another maybe... Uh, topic area we can get into uh, the decision to have a services company as opposed to a product yeah. company where otherwise if you had a product maybe you can scale in certain other ways mm -hmm. um, and so maybe maybe let's go there how do you think yeah. about scaling uh, yeah. at this point because I think about it a lot <laughs> yeah because you, you've got you've got this human elements mm -hmm. uh, at play and so how do you how do you think about scaling to fit the demand that's there sure uh, we think about it a lot of different ways. So, like we, when we started the company, we Victor and I had a lot of soul searching of like, what kind of company do we want to be? Do we want to go for broke, or right. uh, you know, try to try to make something big, or, or go home, and and or do we want to um, be a little more conservative? And and that's where we ended up was like we are pretty sure we can with a lot of work we can build a good consulting practice mm -hmm. uh, on top of Angular and uh, you know things around Angular like Bazel and, yep. and other tools like that that we're starting to look more into. Uh, so, 
we said we knew we wanted to like i i would love to just do this and be happy doing this if this was all there was yep. but we do want to scale so yep. um so we we invest in new things so like support is one product that, right. that we've off, that we're starting to offer it still requires people so it's yep. it's people based uh but it scales a little bit more like we can impact more people in uh uh, like work with more teams yeah. if we're providing more occasional support than if we're dedicating a developer or uh, one of myself or Victor full time to a project for months, for example. Right. Like that, we're pretty limited in what we can do. So, so that's one way we, we work on scaling. And we've been doing support for a while and, uh, since we started, really, and it's been a small part of our business that we haven't pushed that much. Now we're working on scaling it more, on making it more of a. Uh, we're building more specialized tooling to make it where we can support people more easily mm. based on what we've learned with our customers and, okay. and doing a lot of asking and like research with our customers of how we can do better and yep. help help individual developers reach out to us when they need something, uh, help them find answers quickly, help them yeah. get unstuck quickly. We've learned quite a bit and we've been building tooling that, that helps us deliver that more effectively. Uh, that we've, we're testing with our, our clients right now and we're going to soon be opening up to more clients and more self-serve people who, so teams can come in and actually just say, hmm. sign me up, uh, get me get me some uh, support from my team from Interesting. Marvel. Okay. So on a self-serve level, that mm -hmm. would be like a, a service offering that they would go in and subscribe for, for example, yeah. where they would then have a connection to ask questions and yep. do that sort of thing? Cool. Yeah, so, uh, either, so we have integrations in their IDEs that we have through oh, Angular okay. Console now. Uh, and this, yeah, Victor's been working on this behind the scenes, and it's it's really impressive, really cool. Where it can actually it cap captures a bunch of metadata about your you, you opt into this when you open a, a request, but it can actually capture a bunch of relevant metadata about your workspace, like your your diff, your your package, uh, your Angular JSON config, things like that. That we've uh, we don't have real numbers, but I feel like 80% of the time that's enough for us to pretty quickly identify here's what's broken or right. here's here's what's giving you trouble. Uh, and then there's the other side of it, which is people wanting to be proactive if they're about to do something they haven't done before, yeah. and they want to know, okay, I'm, I need to do some state. Do I just do a service? Do, should I do NGRX? Like, um, we're, we've built up this knowledge base on, on Narwhal Connect, which we just launched, of things that we can point people to and say, that's a great question. Check this out. Um, here's what I'd suggest. Go try it. And let, let us know what you come back with. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're really working on gradually opening up that as, as we as we find out what is working best for, for many people. Very cool. What, uh, what can you tell us about, um, I mean, we've mentioned some of the ways that you can get in uh, in front of developers at enterprises. Yep. You can start to get, get known. Um, in terms of the whole sales cycle though, mm -hmm. uh, what have you learned from your experience there that, that might be good to know in terms of like, I don't know, what to expect? What, what, yeah. what comes with the sales cycle of a large corporation as opposed to just, you know, an independent maybe startup yeah. uh, that's, that's pretty quick. Because that, you know, for a lot of consultants, I think we're used to like getting paid, uh, yeah. you know, 15 days after we invoice, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah. how, does it work, how does it work at a, a large company? Yeah, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be uh, in terms of like the last point you made about payment. A lot of companies can do net 30, yep. which is not, not too bad. Uh, some will still still do net 45 or net 60. It's rare that I've seen someone ask for net 90, but that's usually something you can even request a revision to. Right. Uh, but yeah, usually the process, if you're working directly with an enterprise, which is the ideal, uh, you have a direct vendor relationship right. with them, you'll start by getting a master service agreement with them. And they're pretty typical. I mean, they're, they're all pretty common. 
after you've seen as many as I have, you start, like we have a pretty formal process now for how we review those. And, okay. Uh, someone else at the company takes a look at it before I do, then they mark the certain sections that I need to take a closer look at. Uh, things like IP, insurances, right. like making sure, you have to have a lot of insurance to meet their requirements. Like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, we, we have quite a few different insurance policies just to, just to qualify to be vendors at several companies. That's, so is it more, more than just like, I don't know, IP insurance? I've got insurance for the consulting that I do, which is yeah. on a smaller scale, and I think it's just like, you know, there's the typical damage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's insurance. like uh, there's like errors and omissions, errors and omissions in, right. insurance, which is everyone asks for. There's general liability. Yeah. Um, some require uh, they most of them require workers' comp insurance, right. which most most states or many states require anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, automotive policies. Really. Uh, fidelity bond. Uh, what are the other ones? I'm thinking of commercial liability if I didn't say that hmm. or let's see yeah lots of different guys yeah. like I think it's about five or six different wow. policies maybe seven and that's that we carry you find that most enterprises require that stuff it's they most mostly have the similar demands like yeah. some will have different limits like they'll right. require different per per instance and aggregate limits but uh, we basically just have insurance to satisfy the highest amount that yeah. any of our MSAs and and that's that's made it easy where we used to be cheap and just say every time we got a new contract that raised it we would have to call our broker and go through this process that could take days to see okay how much is it going to cost to do that and so it's like the time it would take me to do that is a lot more than it would cost just to say give us higher limits on everything so we don't have to go through this every time Uh, but yeah that that was a funny thing i didn't really realize before doing enterprise sales how much they care about insurance and uh, because when you're touching their code and touching things that can touch their data you know that that puts them there's a lot of liability there for them to be sued and they want to know they can sue you and get (laughs) get money out of you from your insurance if that happens yeah and there's it also protects you too so you have uh, your own protection if uh, something goes wrong yep that's great I, I see quite often on Twitter uh, an announcement of a, a developer that I know who's just started up with Narwhal, and uh, it's it's always very exciting to see people yeah. coming on board. Um, how what's your approach to hiring, and, and how mm-hmm. do you think about it um, in terms of like what to look for, what yeah. kind of candidates to attract, and uh, maybe give us a little bit of the process around your hiring. Yeah, so we, um, that that's the hardest thing to scale right now. Yeah. Um, it, like if we had. I think if we had 100 engineers, we could sell it all. Um, maybe if we had two of me, we could sell it <laughs> all. Um, but uh, we certainly have enough demand to justify it. But yeah, hiring is tough. And it's especially tough uh, because there there's a lot of great engineers in the community. And there are uh, and they're great people. But consulting requires a special mm. type of personality. And, uh, and it's hard for some people to even train themselves to become that personality. Yeah. Uh, it took me years of working along great consultants before I really figured out like, like how is, to be a, a good consultant what is that personality exactly? yeah that's a good question uh, one it's you're, you're a clear thinker and you can you can take chaos and turn it into a clear linear way of thinking right uh, because a lot of times you come to customers and they generally know what's painful yeah. and what they want uh, but they they may have different the team may have different conflicting ideas you need to be able to you need to be a great communicator and you need to be able to help get consensus on something uh, among many stakeholders and so you have to be able to talk to each person understand maybe not what they're saying but what what they're meaning right and uh, and break through that really read through and understand what they're saying and then break it down reduce it to the simplest form and say okay here's what here's what is bothering us or here's what we need to figure out let's step through this let's talk about the options let's talk about the trade-offs and let's come to 
solution. Right. And this is something you have to do every day as a consultant. Yeah. Put it, putting out fires is largely a part yeah. of the job of a, a consultant. And, and so uh, you have to be, yeah, you have to be super patient and, yep. and uh, yeah, not get emotional in mm. situations. And uh, because a lot of times we come in and we, we come in to fix things that have gone badly. Uh, and it, that can mean a lot of different things. But when things have gone badly, usually somebody's, you know, people may not be happy and they yeah. may, maybe they're pointing at fingers, fingers at each other or, um, things like that, which which can make it kind of hard to uh, get the real story from right. people if if uh, everybody's kind of looking out for themselves or things yep. like that. You have to be really good at being empathetic, uh, really getting to the bottom of, of what's going on, and yep. even helping to bridge uh, repair relationships and, totally. and that kind of thing. So. How do you seek out new developers to potentially hire? Is it uh, word of mouth? Is it people that know people? Yeah. You know, it's 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 another it's selling the other direction. Mm -hmm. So it's um, like with sales, a lot of times you assume I just put my message out there and then people will come. And yep. right now we're we are in that kind of space where we do have a lot of inbound. But uh, it used to be that I had to actually call people. People knew I was in business and knew what I did, and I would call them and be like, "Hey, you got anything?" And they're like, "Actually, I've been meaning to reach out to you because yes, uh -huh. we do." And it's like they never would have reached out because they're busy and things like that. Yeah. It's the same with with people with recruiting. It's like all of our friends know that we're doing a thing and they maybe they would like to work with us um, but a lot of times they just don't reach out and then we'll reach out and they'll say actually yeah that is interesting I'd like to talk to you I'm like why didn't you say so <laughs> uh, but yeah so I mean we, we we try to find folks in the Angular community who have you know kind of demonstrated that they um, they know what they're doing they're they're a good collaborator they're a good community member friendly that kind of thing yep. smart and uh we just try to figure out, okay, who else should we talk to? Who else haven't we talked to? Yeah. And, and talk to them about joining us. That's been, I mean, we've tried different things. Like we've, we've had recruiters help on some occasions, okay. uh, but the most effective has still been really me and Victor and, yeah. and the folks of the company um, looking at our, looking at our friends, looking at who we know, um, looking, you know, people we haven't, haven't necessarily met, but we can look at work they've done yeah. uh, and, and bring them in. And I think that's probably the, the majority of the people we brought in have been. Do events like this, NGConf, which yeah. is where we're at right now, does, is that helpful at all for, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I assume it's helpful on the business side in, in yeah. terms of reaching out to prospective clients, but, but hiring as well? Yeah, uh, certainly we get, um, we, we've sponsored NGConf every year since we've been in business, uh, just because we love the conference, yep. uh, good friends with the organizers, it's a great thing to be part of, and it's always, it's generated good business for us, we've gotten uh, more than our money's worth out of the cool. sponsorship, but yeah, on the recruiting side, Conferences in general, but particularly this one, yeah, it's a great time where we just get to, um, you know, corner people and uh, <laughs> say, hey, okay, why aren't you working for us? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, even this week we've had lots of great conversations. Hopefully we, we have some more new narwhalians as a result Excellent. of it. I'm, I'm pretty hopeful about that. Um, but, yes, it, it's, um, and it's people that if we weren't at the conference, yeah, in the back of their mind, they would have known that narwhal is a thing and maybe it would be interesting. But that's just having a conversation and maybe even clearing up misconceptions uh, about working at narwhal. Like we're, we we do hire remote people and some yeah. people assume that we hire in Toronto and Phoenix only where we don't have an office. But um, Which we still try to hire in those offices, yeah. but for exceptional candidates, we'll, we'll do remote. Right. And some people are like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. I thought I had to move. And so. Yeah, it's uh, it opens up so many more possibilities as we move more towards this remote culture. I think, right? Yeah. Because um, location is such a 
you know, it's such a dicey thing for people. Yeah. Like who, I, I don't know that there's a ton of people these days that want to move to the Bay Area, for example. Yeah. For, for I certainly don't. No, you wanted to get out of there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, you know, I think remote is is key for a lot of companies. And, and mm -hmm. certainly when I worked at Auth0, that was yeah. a, a big part of the strategy mm -hmm. was let's let's develop a remote first uh, yeah. culture so that- yeah. it, uh, it doesn't come without its costs, yes. but uh, yeah, the perks of getting great people and not forcing them to move or like, yeah. I mean, those people wouldn't have been on the table if you can't do remote. Yeah, so exactly. it's a, that's a big competitive advantage for talent. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about. So I was I was talking to James Henry just oh, before yeah. we, we plugged in here, mm -hmm. um, who commended you on your transition from Jeff Cross the the coder <laughs> to Jeff Cross the business lead, the uh -huh. uh, the person who. That was his backhanded compliment to saying I don't know how to program. <laughs> well, he, he uh, in in any case he was he was very uh, he, he was very pleased with with uh, mm -hmm. how you're you're handling well, the nice business side of things, and so. Um, I wonder about that going from uh, you know developing all day long to probably I, I take it now you're focused more on on business rather than yeah. writing code mm -hmm. um, how, how I guess how do you feel about that going from code to, to, to no code is it do you, do you miss it yeah want to do more you know actually so I as the company's grown I've been able to hand off more responsibility so um, we've got people who've taken like Amanda Kananda has joined us and taken over marketing yep. done an amazing job um, so she's she's I, I'm very hands-off I mean I'm I work with her pretty closely but it's like uh, it's just on little advice here and there uh, and now I have an assistant full-time who, who takes on helps a lot with selling and and a lot of the logistics of account management and things like that I've actually in the past month or so been a lot more hands-on with code like not all cool. connect I've contributed a fair amount to um, been really enjoying working alongside the team uh, and collaborating you know because I want to be a collaborator yeah. not like uh, a manager even though it's important to be a good manager. Right. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I learned something from Brad Green working on the Angular team because I was asking him because he, you know, he's an engineer, but he's been a manager for the past I don't know five, ten years. Right. And uh, I was like, yeah, don't you don't you just kind of feel like you're in meetings all day? And and he just said like you just have to change your priorities mm -hmm. and realize that this is what's best for everybody is for me to uh, be um, in these meetings and being helping people to. Uh, to connect and uh, know what, how to work together, making sure I'm unblocking people. And so that was really helpful in me just kind of saying, you know, I may feel like subconsciously, I may feel if I'm not producing code or things that work, it may feel like I'm not doing as right. much, uh, but I just need to think that you know, it's important that I, that I get these deals moving forward, that I, um, that I in make these investments in the long-term sustainability of the yep. company, make sure we've got work lined up and, and make sure we've got things that are going to make employees happy and, and uh, not have to worry about other things and that kind of thing. So yeah, so yeah it's just no like looking at it and knowing rationally uh, that uh, that it's what's best for the company and best for the team. Yep. And then your brain gets accustomed to that and builds you know you get in the habit of not not thinking negatively about it. Absolutely. You know, there's uh, I think there's always with any business venture that you go on, there's always a certain amount of stress that comes along with it because you know you're out on your own and yeah. you don't have um, you know a company to fall back on. What is what is stressful for you at Narwhal? Mm -hmm. What's what what are the things that if anything keeps you up at night? I hope you sleep well, but uh, yeah. if, if anything does, what is it that's stressful about the job? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, so cash cash flow in a consulting company is always stressful. Mm -hmm. We've we've gotten to manage that and we've. Um, you know, fortunately, we, we've got more buffer uh, mm -hmm. as the company's grown. And, you know, we've always been very growth focused and hiring focused. And, you know, when you hire someone, uh, you take a while before you, you break even on that investment, right. even if they're billable right away. Uh, you know, 
by uh, our calculations are something like 18 weeks before we break even 18 weeks, on employee eh? okay. because on cash on a cash basis yeah. anyway they may break even right away on a, an accrual basis but uh, you know they start you're paying their salary from day one uh, there's upfront costs of, of bringing them on board buying them computers all the equipment and stuff like that uh, but even if they're on a billable project you, you're not billing until the end of the month in our case we built the end of the month and then the, you know then that isn't due for another 30 days right. or so and so it's like you're holding a liability for a while yeah, you're, you're basically you're basically extending credit so yep. you are extending credit to these companies and so you're yeah you're giving people's time out on credit and then you can see that cash later so yeah managing that while continuing to hire and invest and marketing and things like that um, in the first couple years of the company was pretty tough it's still something you know we have to be disciplined about spending and cash and that kind of thing and uh, you know we want, want to also be saving for rainy days if, if yep. things slow down uh, so so that that is something that that has caused stress uh, in the past and and actually a surprising thing about enterprises is sometimes you have to call them and tell them to pay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are very well optimized. They pay right on time. Some of them, it's kind of, it's like, yeah, you just have to email them and say, hey, did you did you process this? It's like, oh, yeah, I saw that in my inbox. It's not processed yet. I'll put it in processing now. Then it'll be paid 30 days from now. It's like, mm, technically, that's yeah. not, not the terms we've agreed to. Right. So anyway. One thing I've, I've always wondered about that. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, I haven't had too many experiences with, with late payments, but, um, how much of a, how much of a fight you should give in those situations uh, because of the chance that you might sour a relationship, for example, yeah. and, and maybe well that's the that's the beauty of a faceless enterprise. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The procurement yeah. or the pay payables people have nothing to do with the that's people right. who brought you on board. You can be as mean as you want to them. <laughs> uh, I'm just yeah, but it has, you should be nice to everybody because yeah. it doesn't do anyone any good to Absolutely. be rude. Uh, but uh, but yeah, these people, and actually I find that's really effective. I call them and I, I'm very understanding of the complexity of, of the accounts payable people. They've, yep. they've got a lot to manage and, and as automated as everything is, you know, people drop the ball and that's something you just have to deal with. Yep. Um, but yeah, I forget what your question was. But uh, Oh, just like uh, how you, you know, how, it, whether Oh yeah, so yeah, it, it doesn't sour. It, it doesn't sour. Uh, you want to be nice to them. If you're super rude, I'm sure that they would make it up the chain like, hey, you brought these people on board. They're making our life miserable. They're not fun to work with. But, uh, yeah, we never really. Uh, they don't mind you being direct with them. Yeah. Just saying, hey, just checking that this is processed. Thanks. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a there's a very nice nice way to go about it. Yeah. Um, so, what what I'm curious about now is what's the direction for Narwhal in the mm -hmm. future? What's uh, what's on the horizon? Where are you yeah, going? That's a good question. So, Angular is still a big thing, and that's. That's uh, how we've gotten our foot in the door with a lot of companies. Yep. More and more as we've gone, we've seen the, our model changing to, instead of, like Angular is always a component of our projects. The teams who bring us in are all Angular teams. But our focus is less on, I don't, shouldn't say less on, like maybe 10% of our engagement is focused on some Angular specific technical issue that we want to help a team solve. Right. Uh, but most of it is like, how can we help teams collaborate more effectively? Mm. And our focus is on the technical side, but with a little bit of like, how can you be organizationally right. uh, healthy and uh, communicate better? But we help them figure out how do you share more things? How okay. do you uh, how do you build things in a way that it's free or easy to build a shared library or right. shared components? And how does your organizational structure or process need to adapt to that? What are the cultural changes you need to make in addition to better tooling like NX, which is built exactly for this? Uh, to make that so so we go into teams and we figure out how do they work and we figure out Okay, what are you trying to do? 
and we help them define what point B looks like, mm. and then we, we help them get from point A to point B. Okay. And so, like, our, our new motto is develop like Google. Okay. Uh, and when we say that, it's, it's like develop like Google in the way that Google has told everyone they develop. Yeah. And, uh, we, we find it. Uh, we find it's uh, something Google wants people to do, do more, especially yeah. with cloud platforms. They're enabling more uh, easy ways for people to use the same tooling that, that Google uses, kind of the same ways of thinking. And so we're going out and telling companies how to do things like mono repo style development. Yeah, that's, uh, that's huge now. Yeah, yep. and, and all the it, you know, it's it, as if as with everything in engineering, it has its costs, its trade offs. We help teams. We come in with, to teams and we say, here's what's amazing about it. Here's some challenges. That aside, tell us about you and tell us what you're up against, and then let's see what makes sense in right. this context. Like, how should we reorganize your code? How should we transition from this to that? Yep. What, what are the things you're concerned about? And um, help them figure that out. And we work with them in the process to, to get to that point. That's great. Um, so if there is you know, somebody listening who is in a position where they're working a job and they want to get into consulting, mm -hmm. um, Knowing what you know now, and you know, of course, you were in a much different position than most people would be heading into a consulting, yeah. uh, you know, a new consulting company. But what would you recommend to people who are interested in doing that? What's, yeah. a, what's a good way to get started? You know, uh, a good way to get started. So once I figure out your niche, um, like we've got, we're lucky that. Uh, I mean, there there are other great consulting companies, but we've got a really strong edge in that we helped build Angular. And we know it really well, and we've now built NX, and so we're, we're the de facto experts on NX. So if somebody's using NX and they they want to supercharge it, they want to do something really interesting with it, then they're going to hire us. And a manager would it would not look good for a manager to hire someone other than us for something related right. to NX. So so we've got that nice uh, what I guess uh, like Charlie Munger would call a hedge or a yeah. moat. A moat, uh, moat. right, right. Um, so we've got that nice moat that uh, that um, helps us. So, so figure out what that is for you. F uh, don't just go out and say, okay, I'm a web developer consultant. Or you could even say I'm an Angular consultant, and that's one step towards that. But find, like Nathan Walker is a great example. He's uh, he's the person I think of when I think of a native script yeah. Angular person, Absolutely. a native script person. I, it, when people ask who's good at native script, I'd point them to him. He's branded himself quite well. Yeah, yeah. he's got this narrow niche, and uh, and so like yeah, he gets a lot of that kind of business, and, and that's yeah. a good place to be. To be, uh, it takes investment. It takes time for you to be known. Like even Narwhal, it's taken years for us to now be a recognized brand, and for people to kind of know what we stand for and and uh, what we're about. But now that we're there. Uh, it's easy, like that makes our deals, it eliminates a whole uh, risk factor from all of our deals because they've already figured out we're probably the best people to do it. Right. So all the other discussions uh, can, can be had knowing that that is already true. Great. Well, you know, I think that's probably a good place to uh, to start wrapping up. Um, right. Where can we find Narwhal? Where can we, where can we find you online? All right. The best place to check out Narwhal is nrwl.io. Okay. And you should check out NX, our, our open source toolkit for Angular CLI, at nx.dev. nx.dev, cool. Uh -huh. We will link all of that up in the show notes. Um, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, yeah man. This yeah, is, thank this you is for fun. chatting. This is the first uh, in-person yeah, uh, episode glad, of the podcast. Glad to help you try this out. Yeah, so, so. It's, it's, been, it's been a slice. And uh, I think what we'll do now is go and enjoy some of the after party on yeah. the, the last day uh, of NGCon here. So uh, thanks again, Jeff, for being a part of the podcast. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right.
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. You'll be able to find show notes, including links to all the resources that Jeff mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you've got any feedback about the show, if you'd like to suggest a future guest, or if you just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. You can say hi on Twitter at twitter.com slash coderpodcast. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you feel so inclined, it would be great if you could leave a review and subscribe. And if not, no hard feelings. Until next time, happy hacking. Happy hacking.